You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Liz and I had an an opportunity um, about... So it was the last week, and we got to go to, to Bethel Church in uh, California, and it was really powerful. We took Kingston on. That was his graduation present. To take him there and to go around, we saw some a little bit of Northern California, which was really beautiful. But I had something. There were several things that took place there that I'm still uh, digesting and just uh, allowing the Lord to work in me and just the presence of God there and the things that we saw, the words that we heard, it's, um, it was just, it was special for us. And one of the things that took place, you know, the Lord, he, the Lord is so amazing and he's working on things right now that you'll need for your future. And that's true for all of us. And we don't even know it. There's things happening right now that in a year or two years or five years or 10 years, you'll be able to look back and you'll see, oh my goodness, God showed me that he revealed that to me. And it was for a later time. And so what happened is about five years ago, I had a dream that I was, I was in Bethel Church. Is everybody familiar with, with Bethel Church in Redding, California? Um, if you're not, go and look them up. Um, Bill Johnson is the senior leader there. And it's just, it's, it's, probably one of the, it's probably the most special church, of course, next to OCI in the whole world. I mean, it's just, they've just been pioneering um, and stewarding a move of God. A lot of churches have revival. They live in revival because they believe in hosting the presence of God all the time. And it's just a phenomenal place. So about five years ago, I had a dream. Let me back up even further than that. Back in 2014, I was there. And so I kind of knew the facility and, you know, knew the layout of things. And then uh, about five years ago, I had a dream that I I was seated in the auditorium. And so then when we went there, and there were some details in the dream I'll share a little bit in just a second. When we went there, we ended up sitting, and I didn't actually pick the seat. Somebody else did. Um, we ended up sitting in the same section that was in my dream and in like the same area and everything. So that, that was really cool. But what happened is that in my dream, I, this is five years ago, in my dream, I went to California to buy a car for less than $3,000, which, you know, I mean... Buy a $3,000 car from California, first of all, especially in California, really wouldn't be worth a whole lot. And then to drive all the way back probably may have not even made it back. I don't know. But, but that's, what I, that's what I went there for. And during that time, the Lord kind of ministered to me that I really wasn't believing him for the best and for more. And he wanted to bless me with more, all that stuff. There's some other things involved in the dream too. So we, we get there and we, so when we rent cars now, we go through this website called Turo and it's like Airbnb for cars basically. And so you know how you can rent an Airbnb and you're basically renting somebody's house. Well, when you rent through Turo, you're basically renting somebody's car. And we, we like doing that. It just seems to work good. Well, as we're boarding the plane or as we're, um, I'm on the shuttle bus, uh, from parking a car at St. Louis to go get on the plane. Um, I get a message from the guy that I had rented the car from. And he said, the car that you rented, the lady's like ghosted me that has it and she won't answer my calls. And apparently she's stolen the car. And he's like, I'm really sorry about this. He's like, I don't have anything that I can do about it. He said, other than um, I have another vehicle that I will rent to you at the same price. It's about the same size. And what we had originally rented was a Honda Passport, Honda Passport. 
just average, nice, but average car, I guess. He gives me a Mercedes Benz. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so, so I was like, okay, I guess that'll work, you know? So same price. And he gave us the unlimited mileage like I had on the other one, all of that. And when we, we get there, he even, you know, pulls up and we walk right outside and it's right there. It's way easier than doing rental cars with through all the other ones. But anyways, um, and so we get there and we get in the service and I'm reminded of this dream that I had. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was there for a car and the dream, a cheap car, but I show up here in real life and God sees to it that I'm driving a Mercedes Benz. I'm like, Lord, what are you saying? He's like, I told you, I want to do better for you than what you were wanting to do for yourself. And I'm not, I'm not talking about finances. It can include that. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about uh, spiritual rich, richness. I'm talking about freedom on the inside. D, all of the above. And it was just really, really special that the Lord, that he, he did that. And what that did for me is that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into this for just a few minutes, that it, it marked me. That dream marked me, but then having that experience with the Lord, like I had to pay attention to that. The Lord is so funny how he, he does stuff. Like if I was God, I would have just given me a Mercedes Benz. You know, <laughs> that's not even my favorite kind of car. So I'd be like, really God, you got me one equally as expensive, but different, come on. But anyways, but if I were God, that's what I would have done. But that's not how, we, he just doesn't do things like that all the time. I mean, sometimes he'll, he'll move and bless and do things of that nature. But he finds really great delight in moving and, and speaking to us in ways like that to where if we're not paying attention, we'll miss it. But if we'll pay attention, we'll see it. It's very, very strange how he does that. And again, I'm, I'm not like that. I'd be like, hey, kid, let me tell you how much I love you. And that's how we would do things, but we're not God. And God just moves and does things different than we do. And I'm starting, as I'm growing older in the Lord, I'm starting to get used to relating to him how he wants to be related to. A lot of times we want, the, and I think that there is, when we first come into the Lord, it's almost like there's, I hate to use this term, but it's almost like there's a honeymoon period to where we're in our infancy and we're like, Jesus. And he's like, yeah, you know, and like he talks to us at the level that we're at and he appeases us. But as we get older, it's almost like he, he's, he doesn't ever reject us. He doesn't ever not love us. He doesn't ever withhold from us. But it's almost like he says, I'm going to step over here a little bit and I, I want you to begin to follow me because there's growth and there's maturity and things that you're going to gain out of it. And it's just funny how he, he does that. And he always has purpose in everything that he does. And so, again, I go back to this, th this thing with the car, and I'm like, I had to pay attention to that. I didn't have to, but I was, especially I was on high alert because spiritually, because I was there going, God, what do you have for me these few days that we're here in this church? What do you want to speak to me? And he spoke a lot of stuff to me, really gave me a lot of great stuff. But I had to pay attention to this. And the thing is, is that God did something to mark me. And here's, here's where I'm going with this, is that every one of us have things in this life that we are marked by. We have monumental things in life that we've been marked by. Um, a few weeks ago, or maybe it was six weeks ago, I talked about being marked by disappointment, a managing disappointment, because so many times we've been marked by it. And the truth is, is that we're supposed to be marked by God not by the negative circumstances that happen to us. And sometimes people try to figure out, like, God, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? One thing that you should have settled in your heart is that God is a good God. 
It has to be the cornerstone for everything you believe in this life is that God is good. I don't have answers for why rotten stuff happens sometimes. I don't. But I, I do know that it's never God's fault. I do know that it's never God withholding. And I do know that God doesn't ever want us to have bad stuff. I'm confident of those things. And so what we find is that it rains on the just and the unjust. So sometimes, you know, you can look at a person that is walking totally, totally in the world, totally separate from God, and they'll have really good stuff happen to them at the same time you're having something really rotten happen. And then you're like, what's going on? And then you can see that reverse sometimes, and Christians are like, that's because I'm walking with Jesus. And it's like, well, what about the other times then? And so sometimes you just have things that just happen, and you don't necessarily have a real answer as to why it happened. You just have to know that God is good. And so when we walk through life, we have to, we have the choice and we have to make the decision to be marked by the things that God wants us to be marked by. Because if we don't pay attention to those things, we're, we're going to, by default, be marked by all of the other things. There's not a person in this room, probably in the last month, definitely in the last year, for 100% certain in the last five years, every person in this room has experienced some kind of turmoil, some kind of loss, some kind of disappointment, some type of a wind of adversity that came against you. And you had a, an, a chance or, or, or a, an opportunity at that moment to be marked by that and to begin to build your future based off of the, the situation that you experienced. And I've been, mar I've been marked because I allowed it. I've been marked by some really challenging things that took place in my life. I've had a loss. I've had different things that have, have gone on that really, really affected me. And because I wasn't finding God in the middle of it, I didn't allow the Lord to mark me or, after, or, or before having gone through that, been able to look at how God provided for me in the past. And we have to come to this place to where we begin to build a monument in our heart, monuments in our heart of when we seen God come through. We saw the hand of God. We saw the favor of God come through in our life. And if we will choose to focus on that, we can have a, a life that is marked by God instead of a life that's marked by tragedy, marked by disappointment, marked by depression, marked by whatever you want to fill in the blank with. It literally is our choice. Amen. And so someone who deals with a, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, and not an entitlement mentality. How come I always lose this word? Not a welfare mentality, but those fit in there too. Huh? No, not a poverty mentality that fits in there. Huh? No, not pessimistic. That fits in there too. What's the word that I'm looking for? A woe is me victim mentality. Thank you. That word just totally escaped my vocabulary. Anyways, someone who deals with a victim mentality won't necessarily take this approach or like this approach because they're always wanting to blame their issues in life on whatever happened to them. But the truth is, is that we, you can't always determine your circumstances, but you can always determine how you're going to view and the posture you're going to take towards the Lord in the midst of your circumstances. Now, some circumstances we, we can avoid. You know, I love the post, and I've shared this before, but I love the post. Somebody put one time on Facebook or something, they said, there's a, and it was like super spiritual, it's like, there's a reason why everything happens. Oh, with a rainbow in the back and oh, glory and angels singing. And at the bottom, somebody puts in the comments, yes, and sometimes that reason is that you're a blundering idiot. 
And it's like, I always read that and I thought, I, I could relate to that. Some of the things that happened had nothing to do with Providence. It had everything to do with Kent just sticking his finger and sticking his thumb when the potter was, uh, had me on the potter wheel shaping me and molding me. And I'm like, let's try this, God. And it didn't work out too well. Amen. Who can relate to that? You know, and thank God for his goodness that he can take that and be like, all right, well, let's make a handle here. You know, we'll fix it. God's really good like that. But we have to get to this place to where we set a monument, set monuments up in our heart to where we're marked by him. Let's go to Joshua chapter uh, four, Joshua chapter four. And let's read a couple verses here. And by the way, the Lord, I had something different planned uh, for this morning and this evening. And the Lord this morning before and during, before worship and during worship said, I've got something else that I want to do. So I just said, yes, sir. And so this is the path he took me down. And in Joshua chapter four and verse one, this is the story when they crossed over the Red Sea. You'll see, we're going to read a few verses here. And they ended up setting up monuments or stones as a reminder to the generations to come of what, of what God did in that. And here's the thing I want to say to you is that when you have come through things, you have an opportunity because whenever you come through something, there's both opposition and there's deliverance. If you didn't come through it, then there wasn't deliverance. If you came through it, then there was deliverance. But there was also opposition. That's the very nature of why you had to come through something. So when you come through it, you can either look at that and say, look at what happened. Look at what I had to go through. Look at the hand that was dealt to me. Or you can look and say, look at what God did. Look at how he brought me through. The choice is, is literally up to us. And as and I've, I am talking about being a pessimistic person. I'm naturally a very pessimistic person. And I know you don't believe that about me, but it's true. Um, Liz is the eternal optimist. As a matter of fact, probably the only thing, probably the only thing we ever get in arguments about is this right here. Because I'll look at something for what it is and she'd be like, but they, they've got roses, you know, they have, and I'm like, no, listen, they're being a jerk. Let's call it what it is, you know? And so she's, I'm, I'll always naturally take uh, the, the negative thing and she'll take the positive. That's why it's nice to be around people like that, amen? And uh, so, but um, I don't remember where I was going with that, but it's very, very true. She's very, uh, she's very optimistic. I tend to be very pessimistic. But so then going back and looking at my life, I've had, I've had to undo some of, the, some of the milestones and the monuments that I built in my life. Because you know what? What I did was I had, a, I had, and everybody has a timeline in their life. It's interesting. You know, we deal with time all of the time. Marianne taught on, uh, aren't you glad we've got great people to minister? Marianne taught about um, on Kairos, whatever, a couple months ago. It's a great message. If you didn't, didn't hear it, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast. And a Kairos moment is when it's like when God says, I have an ordained meeting with you right here. And, and he does, and he makes that meeting with you. And you know, the, the Lord has, has had Kairos moments in your life. And the devil's probably had to have some moments or tried to have moments with you. But then in between a lot of that, we just have moments. We just have moments with ourselves. A lot of those moments are just terrible. And so I've, I've gone back and I've looked at this bad situation and I built a monument. I'm telling you what I've had to walk through in my own life. I've had this situation, I built a monument. And then I had this one and I built a monument. I was looking at like, I can't believe this. And I had this loss and this thing didn't work out for me. And why did this person treat me like that? And why are they rejecting me? And I did it here and here and here and here and here. And 
when I would look at the timeline of Kent's life, what I was seeing was all of the negative disappointments, difficult things that took place. And I didn't pay attention to the fact that God was in the midst of all of those. Now, he wasn't causing those things. He doesn't put trial and junk like that on his kids. He's a better dad than that. Amen. But what I didn't look at is the fact that the Lord had done things in my life, and he was wanting me to go back and focus on those things and begin to build monuments and and really build a track record of his faithfulness in my life. Because the truth is, is that God has been very faithful in every one of our lives. We've missed opportunities with the Lord because, you know, when the Lord's trying to do something, you can push him out. You can limit him from working in your life. There's many places in the word that talk about this. And probably every one of us have done that to some extent. But then there are also times when the Lord's like, I've got an appointment here and I'm not going to miss the appointment and I'm going to make sure they're not going to miss the appointment. Hopefully they just pay attention to the fact that it happened. And I think a lot of times we go through life and we don't pay attention to what God did. So look here in Joshua chapter four and verse one. Is anybody getting anything in here? I'm going to give you some personal things here in just a moment that I'm really going to. I'm going to reminisce a little bit and it'll bless you. Joshua 4 and 1, it says, And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one from every tribe, and command them saying, Take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. Notice that they took the monuments out of the midst of the thing that was the problem. It says, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm, you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Notice it was the place where the priest's feet stood is where they took the stones. The priests represent people that carried the presence of God. If you want to find your testimony in the midst of adversity, you have to go into the presence to get it. Somebody say that'll preach. Verse four, it says, then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And it goes on, it says that they did so. Now, this was, if you go on and you continue reading, you'll find they not only set these these stones up, but immediately after that, they went into a battle. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something. Whenever the Lord, this is, this is a word for some of you right now. Whenever the Lord does something very significant in your life, you shouldn't be looking at it like what's coming around the corner, but you need to set up a memorial to, rem, to remind yourself of his faithfulness because you can bet you're getting ready to head into a battle. It's the nature of life. You're probably either in a battle, you've come out of a battle, or you're going into a battle. It just, it just always seems to be, and it's, it's, it's funny to me because a lot of times people are just like, they'll come and they're like, Pastor, I just feel such oppression and such attack. And then somebody else will come the same time and be like, this place is just amazing. I can just feel the presence of God. And what's happened is that this person here, and they really are experiencing joy. And then this person here, they're really experiencing a battle all at the same time. It's because that's the way that life goes. We go in and out of those things. 
whether we are defeated in those things is dependent on whether we look at God's faithfulness from the last time that he delivered us. And it's almost like the Lord, this is how I see it. This is how Kent sees it. Kind of going back to like a Kairos moment, a God appointed moment. God has these Kairos moments set in time. And then it's almost like the battles that we have between those, those times, we get to choose whether we win them or not. And we will win them based on how we reflect the last victory or the last Kairos moment or the last thing that God did to where it marked us. And if we're in the midst of it and we don't do that, we're probably going to end up continuing to face that same battle over and over and over. This is the children of Israel. This is what happened to them. God supernaturally delivered them out of the hand of Pharaoh, out of Egypt, out of bondage, delivered them into the wilderness, which was only supposed to be a temporary situation. I don't really know how long they were supposed to be there, but the journey, I've heard people, actually, what's interesting is you can Google, you can go on Google Maps and Google from, uh, from Egypt, I guess Cairo or something, over to the land that he was bringing them, which is Israel, and the walking journey is like two weeks or something. You can, you can literally go on and, and Google that. I don't know how that works, crossing the Red Sea, uh, whatever, I don't know. It's about how long it takes, and they were there for 40 years. 40 years. That wasn't God that wanted them to be there. for. I don't believe that, that wanted them to be there for 40 years. They stayed there because they didn't recognize what God had done for them, and it kept them repeating the same problems over and over and over and over again. He delivered them supernaturally from that. He hardened Pharaoh's heart and caused, this is crazy. So he did all of the, the, the plagues. He brought in the plagues and the Lord's like, I don't just want to deliver them because the Lord could have been like, ping, to Pharaoh and it all would have been over. But he's like, no, 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 I want to deliver them in style. And I want to deliver them in God's style. I'm going to pick a guy who can't speak and who's afraid to speak, and I'm gonna to have to do all these extraordinary things with a burning bush and a stick and all this, and he's still not gonna to wanna to do it, but I'm gonna use him anyways. And when he says that I'm, I can't do it, then I'll just say, well, you can have, talk to your brother Aaron, and he'll speak in front of the people, but this is how I'm going to do it. And I'm gonna go in, and I'm going to do these plagues, and I'm going to supernaturally harden Pharaoh's heart to where he won't even be able to see that he can't beat me, and he's gonna keep trying to hold on to my people so I can do another plague, and 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 another plague, all the way to 10, till finally says, get the, Pharaoh says, get these people out of here, and by the way, take all the gold with you. <laughs> and he, they were delivered out, and then they come to the Red Sea. And the Lord says, what's in your hand, Moses? And I think I've got all these details right. It's been a little bit since I read this. And he stretched out his hand and with the staff and he parted the Red Sea and the ground was dry and they were able to walk across all probably three million of them is what some people say. Probably some Egyptians in there too that, that left with them. And they went across and there was a, was it a fire that was behind them? No, a fire in front of them and a cloud behind them, something like that. Actually, it was behind them, but there was fire on their side and a cloud on the other ones to where it gave them light and it gave the Egyptians darkness to where they couldn't, they couldn't see what was going on, but the children of Israel supernaturally could see what was going on. The same pillar, the same thing gave light one way and gave darkness the other way. And they get out and the Pharaoh's heart being so hardened, thinks, well, I'm going to catch him. And then the Lord collapses all of that water and kills all of Pharaoh and all the Egyptians, destroys them all, wipes out all of, at that time, the enemies that, that the Israelites had. And I don't think that they were in the wilderness for hardly any time at all. And as soon as they needed a little bit of food and water, you know what they said? 
Moses, you brought us out here to, just to kill us. <laughs> Your God, because it wasn't their God at that point. Your God is, is trying to kill us. I'm paraphrasing, right? And go back and get the exact verbiage, but this is basically what happened. And so they said, back in Egypt, we had leeks and we had cucumbers and we had our needs met. Yes, they beat us and they whipped us. They enslaved us and they made us carry around heavy bricks and stole our babies and did all of this stuff. But at least we had food there. They were willing to go back where they were just for some of those comforts. And you know why? It's because and they, they couldn't trust moving forward because they hadn't built a monument. God delivered us here and he delivered us here and he delivered us here and here and here and here and here and here and here. It seems reasonable that we're probably not gonna starve to death. Seems reasonable. See, when you, when you don't put your trust in the Lord and you don't remember what God does, common sense goes out the window. You'll find yourself flailing in the closet. Liz tells a story about how she was in the closet just crying and bawling and whatever. I have all my own stories. And it's like when you're not trusting the Lord, you'll find yourself being completely irrational. And you find yourself not trusting the Lord when you don't remember what it was that he did. So the Lord told them here, he said, listen, when you cross over this time, you cross over this body of water, I want you to put some stones out so you can remember and your children can remember what it was that I did for you that day. Hallelujah. And thank God that he did that. And here's, here's what I want to say. And I'm going to close with a couple stories of my own. And I just wrote these down so I would remember some of them, <laughs> remembering them. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do remember them. I just wanted to make sure that I got them out as I wanted to. I think I lost. So, um, oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I feel like I've been screaming. Got some volume now. Um, probably was screaming, which is probably why you turned me down. <laughs> it is good. So I begin to do this, this journey with the Lord. I've really done this for a lot of years, but this just, honestly, this is very fresh, what I'm sharing. It's actually pretty raw. I like things to percolate a little bit before I serve it up, but the Lord said, I'd want you to share this. The very first night that we were at Bethel, um, in worship before anybody, any human spoke, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The very first thing I said, he said to me, and I wrote down, he said, he said, you must be marked by me. That's what he spoke to me. He said, you must be marked by me. Because this has been, I'm just being honest, this has been a, this has been a challenge. This has been something I've had to walk through. Liz has had to walk through with me because sometimes, sometimes when you've got such big plans and vision and things in, you, in your life and in your heart, it can be easy to lose track when you're in the place of fighting and, and easy to not remember if you haven't created a habit as well as you need to, to of what God has done for you. And so the Lord spoke to me and he said, you have to be marked by me, son. And so I just began to go back and, and recollect and write down things that the Lord had done for me. And, you know, here's some of the stories. You know, when I was, um, when I was in youth group, you know, I lost my youth pastor when I was uh, 13, 13, 14. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but he was, he was killed in a car accident. And I, and I just remember, actually remember this during worship. I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but you know that every, and that was on a, that was on a Sunday night. Every Wednesday night, he lived very close to me, and every Wednesday night and every Sunday night, he drove me home. That Sunday night, I had a makeup hockey game which was odd for it to be then. 
And half the time, I'd miss hockey to go to church anyways because I just loved being at church. But I went to the makeup hockey game and then went to some friend's house that, that night and then my dad shows up and, oh my gosh, it was terrible. He said, your mom. And I'm thinking my mom's dead. And later on, I told him, I was like, dad, you got to be better at delivering bad news. I thought something happened to mom, you know? <laughs> so he said, your mom got a call. And Mike and his son, Jeremy, had been in an accident and they were both killed. And I should have been in the car with them that night. But I was, mar- I was I had an encounter with the Lord. And going back and looking at that, there was one of two things that I could have, I, I had an encounter with the Lord and didn't realize it. There was one of two ways you could look at it. And I allowed that to mark me for a lot of years because I lost somebody that dearly loved me. Like he was really, really good to me. He was really good to the youth. He was good for us. And for a lot of years, I allowed that to mark me, but I didn't realize that God saved my life that night. And I look at that and I could go, well, how come, how come their, their lives weren't, weren't saved? I don't know, but I can guarantee that there were roadblocks. There were things that the Lord tried to put to keep them at church longer. It was a split second accident. If they had pulled out two seconds before or if they had stayed back for two seconds, that car never would have sideswiped them and hit them at 100 miles an hour with their lights off on a, on a lettered highway in Missouri. It's crazy. But I wasn't in the car that night and I was always in the car with them. Every time I went to church, nearly, they, they took me home. God spared me that night. Perspective makes a difference on how you're marked. And again, some people could say, well, what about this? I don't know. There's a lot of mystery in things. I've had a lot of questions for the Lord, but one question I'll never have is, are you good? I already have that settled. It's, it's already determined because his word makes it so clear that God's good. I don't have an answer for everything, but I do know that God's good. I have had some other things, um, you know, with the church in particular, had some really incredible things. You know, this, the name of this church, Overcomers, uh, a lot of people don't know the story. I'm not going to go into the details because it takes too long, but the Lord delivered the name of this church to me supernaturally. I had prophetic words. I had scripture verses. And then I had uh, Ron, I don't know where he is tonight, but I had Ron come to me, <laughs> flying a helicopter or something probably, but uh, anyways. Uh, anyways, I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> he came to me and he, and he said, um, he said I, I had a dream. And he said, he said in the dream, he said, you had uh, the name, because we knew that a name change was going to happen for the church. And he said, I had a uh, you had a piece of paper, and it was a yellow piece of paper, and on that yellow piece of paper was the name of the church. And I said, what did it say? He goes, I don't know. And I mean, we, I had all of this like, Lord, what's the name? What's the name? We knew there was a name change coming. I even had a call from, from a, a prophet lady I barely knew. Actually, she texted me first and said, this is all she said. She knew nothing about what was happening, and she te- texted, change the name. And I was like, uh, okay, I'm calling her. So I called her. I was like, I said, I'm working on it. What, what's going on? She goes, I don't know what's going on with you. I, I said, you, you said change the name. She goes, yeah, the Lord just told me that. I said, did I not, did I tell you about, you know, that I'm changing the name of the church? She goes, no. I said, why are you texting me that? She said, well, the Lord just told me to tell you that. And it was like, anyways, there's all this other stuff. I mean, that was, that was pretty wild. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm changing. I'm working on it. So then one morning, I wake up and I'm singing the Jeremy Camp song about he has overcome and, and something stirred in me that that's something that the name of the church had to do with. So I get up and I'm, the presence of God is all over me and I get, I get a piece of paper and I start to write down all this stuff 
and I write down like something about overcome or being an overcome or something like that, and then I realize it's a yellow piece of paper. I didn't intentionally grab a yellow piece of paper. I didn't know what was going on. I was just following the Holy Ghost. God marked me that day. He from heaven, he said, son, I want to show you something. And through a series of events, he revealed the name of the church to me. I mean, these are things that we can go back and look, and we all have stories in, in and of our, ourselves and our, in our walk with the Lord where we can see where God has done things to really, he sh- really show himself and make himself known um, in our life. And, you know, we've had, and I won't go into the details, Liz and I have had, I don't know how many times when we've had, uh, thankfully we have less now, but financial things, miracles happen in our finances. I shared recently about how we showed up to the table to sell a house, which we should have had money back, but we had to have $10,000 that we didn't have. But somehow we ended up with $10,000 to bring to the closing table. God supernaturally showed up for that. It's so awesome. Um, I had a time um, when I was about 24 years old, uh, 25 probably, probably 25. And I was a prayer minister at one of Andrew Walmack's conferences and I was in San Jose, California and I, I encountered this prophet there. She had pink hair, wild lady. And um, she came up and she began to prophesy some things to me and she prophesied um, that, the, that there's treasures of, uh, treasures of darkness in hidden places and just a few other things and I didn't know where that was in the Bible. So I go back to my room and the power of God is just all over me, really, really strong. I go back to my room and I'm not one of those guys that goes like, you know, Lord, wherever, wherever my Bible opens, that's where you're going to speak to me today. But I pop my Bible open to Isaiah 45 and begin to read. And I don't ever remember, you know, reading these particular verses or didn't remember, you know, what they said. And I start reading and I'm reading the exact words that she had just prophesied to me. I mean, what are, what are the odds? I mean, there's like 11, I think there's like 1,100 chapters in the Bible, something like that. And I open it up to right there and read the few verses that she had just prophesied to me. What are the odds? And so at that point, the presence of God filled, I was in the hotel room, it filled the hotel room, and I got under the sheets, which was just stupid because it's not, I mean, like God can't invade under, underneath the sheets of the bed, you know, I don't know. But it was just so strong in the room that it was like the fear of the Lord entered the room so strong. And I was like, I thought it, I actually peeked out of the, of the covers because I thought there was probably an angel standing there. I mean, the presence was that strong in the room. That marked me. And here's my point, point with this, is that the Lord, and especially when you're putting yourself in situations to be around people that believe that God is still encountering people, but the Lord will encounter you and when he does, you need to build a monument in your heart, write it down. You, and I said this this morning, and it sounds a little strange, but you need to turn your house into a, a heavenly shrine. And you need to write down, and you need to plaster on your walls, and you need to paint pictures, and whatever you need to do to remind yourself of the fact that God is encountering you. And when you do that, it gives you fuel to continue moving forward with what he's called you into. You know the number one reason why younger people, Gen Z, a lot of millennials too, but Gen Z are leaving the church, have been leaving the church, is because they don't believe that church has any relevance in their life. And the reason that they don't believe it has any relevance in their life is because they've never encountered God. There's no way that somebody could encounter God and then say that that doesn't have any relevance in my life. He is, the, he is the essence of everything that we are about in this life. He's the most important person. He's the most important anything of anything, anywhere, at any point, any time. And he wants to encounter us. He wants us to have fellowship with him. 
You know, it's interesting in 1 John, you can look several times it talks about, about fellowship in there and using that word fellowship because when you come into relationship with Jesus, never at any point do you lose your sonship. You don't lose your right standing with the Lord. That's bought and paid for and delivered to you and you're seated with him in heavenly places, but we have warnings against not being in fellowship with him. Because when we bring ourselves out of fellowship with the Lord, we find ourselves in a place where we, we become lunch meat for the devil. And for just thoughts and different things that would want to come in and just totally mess our life up. But you know what? We need to stay at a place to where we stay remembering all the things that God has done for us. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.